this podcast is all about shining light on the real struggles and joys of life. We will have real experiences, real people, and real stories in the hopes that they motivate you and help you in your own journey. This is the One World Countless Stories podcast with Selena Novello. Today I have Jonina Stensky on and I am very excited to hear her story. We actually met through an entrepreneurial group and ever since I've met her, I just love her energy. I love her message and I'm very excited to get to know her on a deeper level and know a little bit more about her life and her story um, aside from the business stuff. So welcome. I'm going to get you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and anything that you feel is important for us to know about you. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Selena. It's, it's great to be here. I'm really glad you uh, asked me on and um, I'm excited. Yeah. So I am Janina Stensky. I'm a non-diet personal trainer. I'm a clinical exercise physiologist um, in Calgary. I run a uh, online training business out of my home, out of my little apartment. It's just me and my two dogs here, uh, Misty and Cooper. And uh, yeah, and then I, I work at a gym as well, kind of during the day. So it's been an interesting like last few years. I feel like kind of my my view on the world and on my life and, and kind of the big picture has changed quite a bit. And I think a lot of people felt some big changes over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully changes for the good, at least. You know, like we were saying, Selena, it depends on the day, right? Some days are good, some days aren't. So um yeah, about me. I love coffee. Um, I love blue skies. It's very cloudy today. I'm dealing with that. Um, yeah, I'm an introvert. So it's very important to find people who give me energy rather than take it away. And that's, that's one of the few things I learned in the last couple of years, just learning more about myself and, and what makes me kind of optimal and, and how I can serve people better. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally awesome. So let's start with your childhood. Do you want to tell me where you were born and raised and a little bit about what like your childhood? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was born at Foothills Hospital in Calgary. Um, and then I grew up rurally, kind of uh, somewhere between Cochrane and Water Valley, Alberta. So um, we had 20 acres of land, a nice like long driveway winding into the forest. Um, and that was really my oasis growing up, just being able to climb trees and go for walks alone and be one with nature and that kind of stuff. That makes me sound like a hippie. I'm not a hippie, but um, yeah, I, I think those are things that I, I'm really grateful for and, and that I took for granted when I was a kid because that's, that's mm-hmm. all I knew, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I grew up in... Um, like just a four person family. So it was, it was my mom, my dad, myself, and my brother. Um, my brother's eight years older than me. So that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. uh, having us on opposite ends of sort of that generation window. <laughs> um, I had a lot of childhood experiences that my friends didn't and, and like playing with pogs and toys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of stuck between the 80s and the 2000s. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. I think overall a good childhood and a and a nice community and yeah. And what was what was school like for you? Did you find school challenging or was it pretty easy for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, um, again, it was all I knew. I didn't realize it, but yeah, looking back on my childhood, I'm like, oh, I struggled 
with like focus and, you know, setting boundaries and emotional regulation and like all the things that are required to be a student. Um, so I definitely, like I started seeing a therapist when I was nine, like the school and my parents set that up um, mm -hmm. to help me like with my friends and, and being able to manage throughout my day. And um, that was like, that was a good thing. That set a good path kind of moving forward. I think at, at different phases of my life, because of that, I've, I've been able to seek out help when I need it and, and find um, a therapist. Uh, the school itself was good. You know, like I had a couple of really good friends who, who looked out for me and, and we looked out for each other. And I think that difference, just knowing you had like a person on your side to show up every day and, and cheer each other on and uh, remind each other not to take life too seriously that kind of stuff so yeah it was good I grew up like my school was uh, a one hallway school on the side of the highway about 25 minutes outside of the Cochrane did you um, go to so Westbrook I went to Westbrook yeah <laughs> so yeah it was a lot of farm kids um long bus rides there and back where you got to hang out with your friends mm -hmm. and uh it was good it was nice yeah and uh did you continue therapy or did you just do it for one year I don't remember. So, so I think I just saw that therapist when I was nine for like a year until we kind of sorted some stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was kind of a in-school counseling thing that uh, the school, I'm going to say psychologist, she wasn't a psychologist, the person who helps the students. Right. She, she set up something. So there was a group of us um, who worked on a few concepts together. And then I had a mentor in grade eight when I was 13. Um, she was just a volunteer parent who like offered her time for us to chat about stuff. Mm -hmm. And then um, high school, I just kind of went rogue. <laughs> no therapy there. I probably could have used some therapy in high school. <laughs> there was other stuff going on. And then when I got into university, there were a lot of like, like free resources for students that I took advantage of, mm -hmm. which I'm really grateful for. And now, uh, now I have a, a good, like consistent kind of every few months check in with uh, with my therapist it's nice to find somebody who you can connect with and who knows your story and you're comfortable with them because then you can just keep seeing the same person so I'm grateful for that so yeah it's kind of um since since I was nine it's kind of a good a good pattern a good routine to have that support and you went to therapy when you were in, you when you were nine because of friendships and stuff or was there other reasons why you went that's a really good question. I don't remember the details. I know that I was, um, I was an interesting child. <laughs> like I had a really hard time asking for help and communicating what I needed. So things would kind of build up until I erupted like a volcano. Right. Um, and then there was, yeah, that, that's went into like my schoolwork and it went into my social life and, and just how I behaved in school. So I know I know, I remember uh, when I was a teenager, I was reading emails <laughs> from my teacher and my parents. It was very interesting to see them being like, she's having a hard time, let's, let's get her some help. So it was very much um, a constructive sort of approach to it. Yeah, and what do you feel like, what was the shift after having counseling, would you say? Did you get a little bit better? Or would you say you, st I mean, obviously you still have to constantly work on these things, but what would you say the main benefit of it was? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember too many details, but I do know, I remember writing in my journal 
about this therapist and, and talking about like some of the things that we had used. And I think there are some tools, whether I recognize them now or not, I think there's definitely some tools that helped me along the way, um, being able to journal things, being able to have sort of an awareness on uh, how I'm behaving. Do you know what I mean? Like I would get too excited or I get too angry and she was able to teach me how to cope with that using breathing and some visualization and things like that. So um, I don't remember actively implementing them. I don't think I was very self-aware <laughs> at that age, but yeah, I, I'm sure they had a really big impact on me. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I think that I think that what you're kind of talking about is very important that like, you know, you might not remember all of it, but the fact that you got help when you were young and then now it's kind of continued on into your adult life where you feel like, well, now if I need help, I can get help, which is so important because I feel like a lot of people are so scared to reach out to ask for help. Um, so just the fact that you you kind of used to it, you're like, okay, I'm gonna do a check-in once in a while while just to make sure you're on the right mental state is pretty awesome yeah yeah it's good I mean even oops, sorry um even just knowing that I've, I've done therapy before it's still scary to reach out especially if you're in a new area or you have to find a new practitioner for whatever reason um like in university they'd always be student uh counselors so they would sort of like the semester would end and they'd move on with their lives and you needed to find a new person and mm -hmm. you don't always click with people and that's normal you just keep trying and then there's like the financial side of it and the willingness to be like okay I need to like get help right now like it's hard and that's normal mm -hmm. um but I think I think that it's definitely been worth it for me yeah yeah no I know exactly what you're talking about at my school we had counselors but every year they, they're students, so they would like shift. We'd get new people in. Sometimes you didn't like gel super well with them. Um, but I think it's 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 a very hard thing to, as like an adult to get help. Um, but I think when you have, you know, previous experience, it's a bit easier. But I know finding that person that gels with you is so important. Don't settle. If you don't, if you don't vibe with the person, don't settle because I've done it before and it doesn't really help you as much as if you got someone who you really connect with. So that's very interesting that you bring that point up as well. Um, so kind of moving through, what did you do in university? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, when I was in high school, uh, a lot of my friends started talking about school and it wasn't even on my mind. And everybody was just like gonna go be a nurse. That was the thing that year for whatever reason. I don't know, someone found out that nurses make money. Um, that was before the pandemic, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so I, I talked to the counselor. I said, I want to go to school. I like science class. That's it. And she helped me figure out where I might want to go, but I needed to upgrade. So I spent a year at Mount Royal University doing some open studies, trying to get um, better grades in my chemistry and my math from high school, and then taking some general education courses that would be part of my, they could go towards my credits for my degree. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then I didn't get into nursing school because my grades were still terrible because I was still having a hard time focusing and setting boundaries and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up, I went to the registrar's office and I said, what, what can I get into with this GPA? Like, help me out here. Yeah. And she was like, well, you could go into the Department of Anthropology. And I was like, what would that lead to? And she's like, you could be an anthropology professor. Basically, that's your only choice. And I was like, no what's the other option? <laughs> she was like the physical education program. I was like, okay, tell me more. So I went to the library and I started researching this program. 
And I didn't even realize at the time what kinesiology was. I'd never heard that word in my life. I didn't grow up in a community um, where, where we could go and like hire a personal trainer or like go to the physio clinic. You know, you hurt yourself, you walk it off. You move yes, on. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I was very excited to learn about this whole world and this profession, this industry that helps people literally like make their lives better and feel happier and stronger and um, capable and all that stuff just with some exercise with a little bit of science. So that was two years into my university degree. It was probably 20 by then. And then I finally like picked a, a course and, and went into kinesiology um, with the Mount Royal phys ed transfer program. So I did the first two years of my degree at Mount Royal, and then I had to go to either uh, U of C or U of L in Lethbridge. Um, okay. So I transferred to the University of Calgary and finished finished a uh, Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology there. So how many years of schooling did you end up doing then? It took me six years to graduate. So I actually uh, got my, depl- sorry, my the piece of paper they give you when you graduate, words aren't working right now. <laughs> I think when, it's the uh, diploma or the degree, right? One uh, of the Yeah, my, my degree, I guess, Bachelor of Science. Um, in 2017, I graduated. So that was a six-year journey, like straight from high school mm-hmm. till almost like mid-20s. And then uh, I was honestly so scared to graduate because all I had ever been was a student. And I was like, but then I'm going to have to go adult and wear like adult clothes and like <laughs> have an adult career and it was terrifying um it's still terrifying but yeah yeah um I mean you said that you worked really hard on your grades and then you didn't get into nursing school what was that like I mean it sounds like you picked yourself up pretty quick and said what can I do with what I've got which is really awesome but what was that like when you were kind of like oh man Yeah, I felt kind of stuck. Um, I had also, uh, it's important to mention, I went to university out of high school with a bursary from a a local kind of grant. I was feeling really like there was a lot of pressure to like Mm. get into something and actually be productive with this bursary and make the best of it. Um, And uh, yeah, yeah, there was a bit of a road bump, but I'm really good at handling crisis. I'm actually like when things are going good that's when I tend to make problems but when there's an emergency I'm just like keep calm guys we got this <laughs> you just take things as they come so I think it was a matter of um yeah it was a crisis I knew I, I couldn't drop out of school I had to finish this so what's the next step and then I, I looked into the options I picked one there's probably some stuff to talk about in therapy once that had all been sorted out because there was some frustrations there was a a shift in the focus really because I had gone from being an open studies student and and dove into the fitness world without any prior experience so that was kind of jarring too um but I think I'm fortunate to have good friends that help me through things like that too you can kind of rant to your buddies and get all that stuff off your chest yeah and the the really interesting part that you brought up that I'd love to talk about is that you were like I've done school my whole life and now you're like uh what do I do now and it's funny because I am taking a gap year right now and for me a really big deciding piece was that I have done school my whole life 
and that I just needed a little bit of a break. Like I was like you, I went right into university right after high school because well, the pandemic, it was like, what else to do but do some school, um, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of like what the way it worked out. But I find that for me, being not in school is so uncomfortable because school is comfortable. Like I, like you said, like all you ever know is school. Like that's something that you just know we've done since we puny, puny little babies. Like I don't even remember that time in my life, like the young grades, but all we've ever done is school. And then getting out of it is like very overwhelming and scary. So can you talk about your experience with leaving school? Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a good point, Selena, because it's uh, it's a lot to handle at once because school gives you structure, you know what to mm-hmm. expect, you know, you have a schedule, mm-hmm. you know that somebody, another adult, an adultier adult is going to tell you when to do things and, and that kind of stuff. And so there's, um, you still have some accountability on your part and, and some that's the word I'm looking for. You have to have ambition and, and like work towards the things, but there's still the guidance. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then you add to that the, the campus, if you're going to a campus or the, the people in your class, it's, it's all very familiar. Yeah, graduating was um, terrifying because I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do. I don't actually remember what I did. I think I just took the summer off and floated around and did some freelance painting jobs for people I knew. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got tired of that real fast and I started applying for stuff in the fall and I got really lucky. It worked out. I got a, a job at the place I'm still at right now. So I've been there for four years oh, wow. and um, it's given me a lot of structure. Like it was terrifying to transition from something I knew to this uncertainty, you know, because when there's uncertainty, we don't have control. We don't feel in control. Yeah. Um, and that's just inherently scary. That's like in our genes to, to have this apprehension to, to new experiences. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't regret it at all. Um, I don't think pushing myself through, you know, a master's or a PhD would have been a good choice for me just because of how I did struggle. I think I needed to bring my attention to, to other stuff and do some personal development. But it's nice. Once you get the new job and you, you dive into the career, it becomes familiar eventually, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's a good change. Yeah. And did you find that like be working at a gym and like being more active helped with like your focus and like, you know, helped you a little bit? It's a good question. Um, maybe in like ways that I didn't realize that's quite possible. I know there were also a lot of other things going on at the time, um, just turbulence in like relationships and just life events and that kind of stuff. But really, it it was really good that I had a nice, steady, consistent job with the same people to go to every day Mm -hmm. because that was the one constant over the last four years. There's been such an enormous amount of change in my life. Mm -hmm. That job was like an anchor Mm -hmm. and it just helped helped me get through all that. I was wondering what were some of those like big changes that you were going through in the last four years? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so my mom passed away in 2016. That was while I was still in my like last semester at university. And then 2017 to 2018, I was kind of floundering. I was with 
like a long time uh, partner in a relationship. We had moved in together and there was a lot of like new stuff. And then you add on top of that, the boundaries, the communication, those issues that were present since I was a kid. Um, and things were very, very bumpy. Um, I learned an important lesson. There's a reason people say, uh, don't do business with family because my, my partner and I had tried to run um, a business together and it created a lot of tension. And then you're like always like struggling, trying to find new clients and you add that to the rest of it. Um, so there was that. I ended that relationship in 2018. I decided to uh, rent out my property because I just wanted to live in the city and get kind of a new start. Moved into the apartment I'm in right now in 2019 in the spring. And that was the first time I ever actually lived on my own, not with my mom, not with a friend, not with a partner, just me and my dogs. Um, and that was an interesting year. It was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, but it's good. I'm really glad that I did it. And I kind of put myself through that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, since then, like went and got uh, certified as clinical exercise physiologist, kind of put myself through that certification, took the plunge, started personal training at the start of the pandemic, started my business a few months into that and have, have a new relationship now. So it's just, it's honestly been like a constant wheel of just like, change and transition and coping and growing and it was exhausting so I'm glad I have this apartment and I have like that job and some, some consistency yeah yeah that's so awesome and so what was it like losing your mom mm. yeah that was um it was interesting because it actually brought up a lot of like grief that I didn't have a chance to pro chance to process I got an accent there um when my dad died when I was 11 so it was kind of like a like a double whammy when my mom died because now I'm an adult and I have some self-awareness and more emotional regulation and like other things going on in my life um so yeah it was interesting talking to my therapist and being like I want to talk about my dad today and and not actually having it be about what was going on here looking back and and uh dealing with some old stuff so that was good. It was a good opportunity to, you know, dredge up some old grief that I didn't know was grief at the time. Um, and then, yeah, sorry, go ahead. When did you lose your dad? How old were you? I was 11. Oh, and, and how, what was that like for you? Um, I, yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today. It's funny because like, I don't know if everybody feels this way, but kids are pretty resilient. And when I was a kid, I just kind of like took things as they came. I'm sure there was a lot of other things I was experiencing at the time that I don't remember now, but yeah, it was just kind of like, okay, this is life now. And you just kind of like, you got into a new routine and you just kind of dealt with it. Does that make sense? But yeah. Sure. I'm not sure I had the resources or the tools at the time to, to understand what grief was and, and kind of process of that. I think it just became the new, the new normal, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when your mom passed away, it kind of brought up some of those feelings about both of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There were a lot of like parallels being drawn in my subconscious and like mm. funny memories that I had forgotten about and that kind of stuff. So it was just like years of being triggered, <laughs> like mm. constantly. But yeah, yeah, I think it's it's good. I definitely learned a lot. And um grown grown out of those those hardships you know 
And what would you say your biggest lesson from losing your parents? I mean, you're quite young. So you losing your parents at a younger age than most, what would you say the biggest lesson you learned from that? Yeah, it's always funny when you bump into somebody who's like more than twice my age and they still have parents. And I'm like, wait, what? How does this? <laughs> like, it's sort of, it, it, it bugs a little, um, but also good for them. I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the biggest lesson is just like you, you choose, you choose your family, right? You can't control what goes on in life and what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. And the people that you surround yourself with is, is going to be the biggest piece of that puzzle. If you ask me, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, like not having my parents, I can still choose to surround myself with people. I look up to people who I consider mentors and then good friends who, who help you with that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting message that you got from all that, that you choose your family and there's still people around you that are mentors and that kind of guide you. So that's very, it's a very interesting lesson that you learned from all that. Would you say like, cause you kind of said the next two years, you were kind of in like a little bit of a lull. So what, what was stemming from that? I mean, you continued to do your university degree after you lost your mom. So I can only imagine how hard that would have been but what was kind of like the those two years that you kind of said were just kind of all over the place yeah it's funny because I look back and I'm like oh that must have been terrible but I don't really remember it being terrible I think I just kind of went into survival mode for for a really long time Mm -hmm. um I I broke out of that when I ended that that relationship with my ex um Mm -hmm. and like moved away and got that fresh start because I ended up at a point in my life, and I, I realized this in retrospect, I didn't know this at the time, where it's kind of like letting life happen to me, stumbling upon things. I did that with my degree. Like I went into school without a plan. I didn't get the grades I needed. I stumbled into kinesiology. Mm-hmm. And then I like would stumble into this relationship and stumble into different experiences. And I wasn't at the driver's seat. I was just kind of mm-hmm. taking things one day at a time. So that's mm-hmm. what I learned to do as a kid. Um, so I think, I think those two years, they're just kind of like a blur. There was a lot of big changes and a lot of emotions. Um, but they're just kind of like, I don't know, like insignificant. Mm-hmm. Like super important parts of my life, but also like so far away. Like I don't even really relate to that version of myself anymore. Oh, wow. But in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. Like, yeah, I can see that. I'm reading a book. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like, what is she doing? You know, to the main character past me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that you have grown a lot from that situation just by telling the way that you talk about the situation as well. You can see that you've done a lot of reflection and, and learning and growing from that point. Um, so you kind of talked that you started, you started another job, right? You got the, um, the gym job. Uh, but when did you decide to start your own business? Um, that was because of Lindsay, wonderful Lindsay. Um, I met Lindsay when I was in high school. She was my hairdresser. I babysat her son. And then uh, I reached out to her at the start of the pandemic because I had a lot of time on my hands. And I was like, I wonder what this person is up to. And I was messaging old contacts. And um, I sent her a thank you message. She was very helpful when my mom passed away. And she was um a good like guidance for me 
And then she was like, hey, like, thanks for reaching out. I appreciate this message. You should come join this awesome group of people I've created. And she like immediately was like, Ben Printer Marketing School. Um, and I had no, like, I kind of, I had a little seed in the back of my head, like I wanted to start a business and I had already like started the Instagram page, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't actually have a plan in place. Again, I was stumbling across things. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I joined, I joined the marketing school in like early April, like honestly a few weeks into the pandemic, mm-hmm. into the lockdown here. And then I started a business. It was just kind of like, all right, what's next on your to-do list? And I was yeah. like, built the website, built the Instagram, went to the 6 a.m. meetings. And yeah. before you know it, I, I think I registered my business uh, early June, 2020. And that was like, the all right, I'm in this now. I'm an entrepreneur, dang. And so I know, I know that at the beginning, you told us a little bit about your business, but I want to get into the story of why you started your business and what exactly you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, why I started my business. That's a great question. Well, partially because the fitness industry was on hold because all the gyms were closed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still was kind of like, I was really excited about helping people and, and teaching them about exercise and just like mm. I wanted to help people manage the pandemic and their lives and all this change with with something I had found beneficial um, through exercise so um yeah again I didn't really have much of a plan I didn't really know like I, all I all I could refer to was other online training businesses that I knew about and that was mostly you know YouTube videos of workouts that you could follow along with and like weird toxic diet messaging around like booty boot camps and stuff like that. That was all I knew. I couldn't really see past that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with all my free time in April, 2020, I started reading some books, listening to some podcasts. And I was kind of on the heels of the like intuitive eating, intuitive exercise world, this non-diet world. But I didn't realize what I was getting into at the time. Um, I didn't realize how big it was. So I read Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. And it like flipped my whole view upside down. Like I was literally, I couldn't do anything productive for weeks. Because I was just trying to process like this paradigm shift. Um, Because the second I read her book, I realized like I had been sucked into the diet world. Like everybody else. And it had affected my life in so many ways. And I really realized my values contradicted with everything that I had been telling my clients, everything I'd been taught through my kinesiology degree, through my certifications. Mm-hmm. It was all very, it didn't match with what, what I felt and, and what I wanted to give to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't like the aftertaste of like having the diet industry in my life anyways. Mm-hmm. So, so I, yeah, I was reeling. I spent a little bit of time trying to figure out like, how am I going to run a, a fitness, a personal training business mm-hmm. and I'm not going to sell weight loss. Like I didn't need, I couldn't comprehend what that would look like, where I would begin. Um, so fortunately through the fempreneurs, I was connected with another non-diet personal trainer um, who's a good friend of mine now, Mark, and he helped me connect with other accounts. And then I sort of expanded my non-diet network and I realized how big that universe is. Mm-hmm. Um, so over, over that time, it's just been a lot of processing my own stuff and then figuring out 
how to help other people who might be processing that same stuff. So there've been times where I've had complete like writer's block and I can't even create content because I'm going through something mm-hmm. on my own and I don't know how to share that yet. You know what I mean? You have to kind of yeah. like- I know certain- exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting trying mm-hmm. to trying to figure out how to like teach people when I'm struggling through it on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just trying to stay in my lane and like, teach what I know because I don't want to try to like give people advice that I don't actually know what I'm talking about I want to share on my own experiences and my own education Mm -hmm. um, while while continuing to grow and expand my knowledge my vocabulary and and figure out how to help people with that so yeah it's so crazy that one book really changed everything for you so can you tell me and us a little bit about what your relationship with your body and your health was before and kind of what it's been moving into and what you've been growing with yeah yeah it's um that's something kind of a story I've been building in my head over the last few years as I process all this it's funny because like as a kid I didn't think of exercise as exercise. I would just climb the trees. I would run with my friends. I would ride my bike. And they were just things I was doing because I wanted to do them. And if I happened to be sweaty and out of breath, well, whatever, it didn't bother me because I was doing things I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as I went through like elementary school and high school, I learned about like dieting and exercise and, and kind of like trying to tweak things to make other things happen. Um, And I can't, I can't really pinpoint where I learned those things, but I learned them Yeah. and exercise became different for me. I remember in high school, I would skip gym class the most out of all my classes because um, I hated it. Like I wasn't athletic. I wasn't naturally coordinated. Um, I didn't enjoy the competition of sports. Mm-hmm. I think I'm like, I'm like a solo lone wolf kind of person. Yeah. Um, and then like a lot of, a lot of the messaging around that, especially in gym class was, was where I learned this sort of like push yourself harder and like, you kind of have to suffer through exercise. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't interested in that. Like I didn't see the benefit of it. And I remember like joining gyms and paying for the membership fees and then not going once. Like I did that at least a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, in university, I would try to like get into a routine and, and do the whole like new year's resolution. I'm going to start doing this five days a week or whatever. Um, but I didn't really have the support that I needed. I didn't have the knowledge I needed around how to make exercise a positive part of your life. Like I was still using it. It, it was a chore. It was punishment. It was uncomfortable. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't something I wanted to be doing. It was something I felt like I should be doing. Um, and then, and then working in the gym while that was a blessing for me in a lot of ways, it was also a really big catalyst towards some disordered eating and exercise behaviors. And that really, um, exacerbated in 2019 when I moved into the apartment by myself for the first time. And I was trying to have this like new beginning. And I started being very strict with what my workouts looked like, how often I was exercising, tracking like steps and calories and, and my weight and that kind of stuff. Um, and it was, it took me down a really bad path. I think that was kind of the, the apex, the peak of, of where my behaviors were the most destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that was partly like, I'm around mirrors all the time in the gym and I'm comparing myself to other people all the time in the gym. And, oh, I'm going to be a personal trainer. Well, people are going to like want to hire somebody who looks fit. So I better be fit and like work towards that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't productive and I didn't see it in the moment. I was too lost in it. Like I was kind of, things were cloudy. Um, and I had some like not very constructive apps around me and mm -hmm. <laughs> having not constructive conversations with people that were very, very rooted in some toxic dieting mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then I stopped getting my period and it was terrifying because I had, I had uh, restricted and over-exercised to the point that my body was like, oh, it's a famine, shut down all reproduction. <laughs> and it just like, it was a big reality check for me. Um, mm -hmm. In 2019, I was dating my current boyfriend for like just a few months, stopped getting my period, and kept getting like uh, negative pregnancy tests because that's not why I wasn't getting my period. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, it took a few months. I kind of, I kind of like took a moment and I was like, something's not right. And I dialed things back a little bit and it sort of leveled out in the fall. It took a few months for that to, to figure itself out there. And it wasn't until I read anti-diet like six months later. And I was like, Oh, that's why <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't realize the effect that my behaviors had on my, my mental health and my physical health in such a negative way. Mm -hmm. Um, until I read that book and it tied it together and then that like like 2020 was when I finally I was like no more no more diets mm -hmm. I'm gonna try to uh, rewire how I think about exercise how I think about food and mm -hmm. uh, it's really I'm really grateful to have a good a good network of dietitians and uh fitness professionals who who share those values because it can it can feel really lonely <laughs> when you're when you're going against the grain because I'm sure like you realize dieting's everywhere every billboard every radio ad um every like motivational fitspo thing on the internet it's all very toxic and and yeah. you don't really realize it until you're on the outside looking in Mm -hmm. I mean, like even social media, if, if it's not the dieting thing, it's, we're constantly seeing beautiful, like perfect people. Um, and the thing that I wanted you to elaborate a little bit more on about what you were talking about is your comparison. Cause I know how hard it is as a young person to stop comparing and how, how it's almost like, it's just something we naturally do, but how like really damaging it can be. It really can be because we get caught up in the stories in our head and we keep telling ourselves the same thing, but with a little bit of practice, you can realize like, Oh, this isn't helpful. And you can kind of step away from the thought. And be like, no, I don't, I don't want that in my brain anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to try to create a new thought. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like working in the gym now, we're, we're two years into the pandemic, two years after deciding I'm not going to diet and I'm going to have this um, very um, compassionate exercise business. I'm still working in the gym. I catch myself like looking in the mirror. I catch myself being like, oh, wow. Like, I wonder what size her clothes are like little things like that, little habits that I'm still trying to unwire. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. It's very triggering. I think, I think having a therapist and, and writing things out is very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, 
and just knowing that you're not alone, right? That's very, like you said, it's normal. It's kind of an automatic response to compare ourselves to other people because we're social creatures. Again, that's one of the things I think is in our DNA to judge others, to compare ourselves to others. And mm-hmm. we're, we're motivated to like find a group and fit in because that's how we survive as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also good to, to figure out where that balance is in your life. If, if these thought patterns that we're stuck in are, are very stuck in self-criticism and negativity and um almost like shame and guilt and that kind of stuff it can it can cause a lot of distress in in our minds and in our bodies we hold our emotions in our bodies um and i think i think sometimes we hit like a breaking point you know what i mean where we're tired we're exhausted of always being in that that critical state um and, and something something will change maybe you quit the diet or you're on or you reach out to a friend or a therapist and then sometimes that's enough sometimes you end up back in the cycle I think like no matter where where anybody is in that journey if we can just remind ourselves like you're a unique individual and you're worthy like regardless of what you look like or or how productive you are or any of that like you're great just keep being you Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of like on the surface, that's very non-helpful advice. But I think if we can transform that somehow into a value that, that we try to embody in our days or an affirmation that you remind yourself of when you're triggered, mm-hmm. I think it can, can help in the long term because we're all just playing the long game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. So if someone, if someone, yeah, did, if someone is looking to know, like start, start um, a better relationship with themselves and their body, what would you like recommend be like some of the first steps that someone would take? Yeah, I think a good um, kind of easy win is to take a look at kind of the content that you're taking in, Um, especially online. We're looking at social media, that kind of stuff. And and set some boundaries with yourself and and maybe unfollow accounts that make you more critical of yourself, hard on yourself, more judgmental um, accounts and and types of posts, maybe fitspo stuff that's going to be triggering for you. And it's going to bring you into the thought cycles, pause them, unfollow them, uh, whatever you need to do to kind of expose yourself to more, more positive things. If you can actively follow non-diet accounts that are going to promote self-compassion they're going to promote general well-being and um unlearning these toxic thoughts that we we have about our bodies or food and exercise i think that's a really good first place to start on curating the content that you digest yeah and then beyond that um like practice find somebody who shares your values whether that's a health professional um a mental health professional or a book, a podcast, something like that, a friend. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just like talk, talk about what, what you're processing, the things that are difficult about it and just keep practicing that. It's really, it's, it's uncomfortable and bumpy because it's change. It's so much, so much uncomfortable, difficult change. Um, and it's going to be really crappy and you're going to be tired, but you don't have to go through it alone and you don't have to do it all at once. It's not, you're not trying to reach this point of like eternal bliss and happiness. <laughs> You're just trying to like get through and make your life a little better when you get the chance, you know? 
Yeah. And I think like the part that you're like, you don't have to do it all at once. That's like huge because we or I usually try to do everything all at once, try to change everything all at once, you know, new year energy. We're like, let's go. Um, but I think there's a lot in just taking it one step at a time. But your your advice on, you know, looking at what you're consuming every day is such a valuable piece of advice and such a valuable piece like just an action step, because even if you're, you know, if you're anyone, if you're not wanting to go on this anti-diet more, you know, path route, whatever we're going to call it, uh, you can still do that. And it's really important to do that because what we consume every day really does affect us. So I'm glad that you actually brought that up as one of the first steps. Um, so I'm excited to hear what's, what's next for you. What, what's your future? What are you planning? What's, what's going, what's going to happen next? <laughs> Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to just like be very intentional about the choices I make so that I'm not stumbling through life, like happened to me, like I used to. Mm -hmm. Um, so some self-awareness around like, like, how do I feel after I hung out with that person? How do I feel when I get home from work? How do I feel about creating this content and, and trying to bring more things into my life that are actually very, very purposeful very authentic to me, whatever that means. I'm still trying to figure out who I am. Um, I just keep working on that personal growth. Professionally, um, I want to keep growing, growing my business and, and bringing some clients and maybe introducing some courses um, to help people, whatever stage they're at in their uh, non-diet journey. Mm. Um, or even if you're still like on a diet journey, you can still engage in like certain values in the yeah. network. Anyways, um, trying to help people serve the community. Like Lindsay always says, we're here to serve others. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have like a crazy five-year plan. I'm just hoping to, to surround myself with good people mm -hmm. and, and keep, keep learning, keep challenging myself, keep doing uncomfortable stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, totally. I love that. I mean, I don't have a five-year plan either, so kind of in the same boat as you, um, but I definitely think going with some intention is really awesome. So before we get into the final four questions that I ask everyone, is there anything else you would like to say before we move into that? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, like, if I could go back and give my younger self some advice, it would be, like, stop trying to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. just just put some effort in and like care care about what you're doing do everything with your heart um and like stop taking life so seriously <laughs> I think it's safe to say um I'm one of those people yeah I go I go really hard at something and then when it doesn't all work out I'm really hard on myself um so if you can just kind of like find some joy along the way and be able to laugh at yourself and like stay curious yeah, I, I wish I wish that on everybody. Yeah, the take yourself a little less serious that oh my gosh, that's what I would tell my younger self as well. Like, not everything is like the end of the world. And not everything is like as important as it seems. Um, obviously, some things are but not everything. Um, yeah. So that, that's awesome. You actually took one of the questions that I was going to ask, but it's okay. So that's okay. So let's roll into the final five questions or four questions. Um, so the first one is, what is some of the best advice you've received and from whom? Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, gosh. Um, 
I've been given a lot of really good advice. One of my favorite things, it's kind of stuck with me since I was a kid. Um, because when you're a kid and somebody dies, you like hold on to the few things you can remember about them. So I remember when I was a kid and we were like doing homework together, my dad would always say like, if you're going to do something, do it right. He's the kind of guy who would do his crosswords and ink, um, that kind of stuff. And for a really long time, I, I thought that meant like, don't screw up. Like, don't make a mistake. Make sure you've like thought this out and planned because you only get one shot and then you're like a failure. Mm -hmm. um, I realized like literally the other day <laughs> I was taking the dogs for a walk and I was like, oh, he didn't mean like be perfect. He just meant like really just try to do your best. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing the more time that goes on, like you're not going to be a hundred percent your best self every day. And nobody should expect that of you. Just show up to where you're at that day and do, do what you can do and, and really be present in your life. So yeah, do, if you're going to do something, do it right the first time. It doesn't mean be perfect. It means like, just do what you can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a very powerful piece of advice. I really like that. The next question is what is some of the worst advice you've received? Oh, um, when I was like, this might be triggering trigger warning for somebody with, uh, like some, some body, um, dysmorphia or, or body image issues, just fair warning. Um, when I was a kid, this is like one of my first memories and my first memory where somebody like commented on my body. Um, my mom was fitting me into like a dress for a Christmas concert. I must've been five or six or something like that. And she was like, Oh, you're going to have to start learning a suck in that belly. And it was just like such a small, unnecessary little comment. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't remember it until 2020 and I was going through processing all of this undieting stuff, but that really stuck with me and like credit to my mom. She was doing the best she could with what she knew. She was born in like the fifties. So she, whatever, not her fault. Um, but also like terrible advice. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's unfortunate that, you know, from such a young age, we're really exposed to, like, even if it's unintentional, which most of the time our parents, like, it's not intentional, but sometimes there's things that are said that just really stick with you. And every time, you know, you try to wear this type of clothes and your mom made a comment one time, you're going to do something differently. So that's a very interesting thing that you experience. But I feel like, a lot of people can relate to in some way. Yeah, yeah, just a small, insignificant conversation that has such a lasting impact on, on how we live our lives and feel about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very unique answer. I like that one. All right, so the next one was, you kind of, you already answered it, but I'm gonna ask it again to see if there's anything else that you would add. So what is some of the, um, what what's this, uh, sorry, words. <laughs> what is, um, what is a piece of advice that you would give your younger self or which you can think of it more in this context, maybe um, someone in the younger generation? Mm -hmm. um, I think to add on to what I said before, it's, it's what you and I were talking about, the, the comparison trap. Like, mm -hmm. especially when you're, when you're maybe a, a preteen, that was preteen and teens were like the roughest years of my life. There were so many hormones ripping around, but um, there's a lot of, of social influence and we spend a lot of our time 
trying to like figure out who we are. And so we look to other people for that. And we're trying to imitate others and be more like that person and be less like that person. And somebody makes a comment and, and you are very influenced by, by those around you. And we're, we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Mm -hmm. I would say if I could give like 12 year old me some advice, I say like, like focus more on you. And like, mm -hmm. obviously there's going to be influence of people around you, but don't forget about doing the things that you want to do, hanging out with the people who make you feel good, who make your life better. Mm -hmm. um, like spend less time comparing yourself to other people and worrying about what they're doing. Just surround mm -hmm. yourself with good people and um, try to be authentic. I don't really know what that means yet, but I like the word authentic. <laughs> I'm trying to be the most authentic Janina. So, um, yeah. I like that because it's like you don't need to, you need to show up for yourself as well, which I feel like is not taught yet. I mean, I don't know if parents are teaching it now, but I mean, I feel like it's like you have to consider what you want to do instead of pleasing everyone else. And that's a hard lesson to learn. I mean, most people don't learn it till they're older, but I mean, the amount of times when I was younger, when I was like, I can't believe what I was doing for literally everyone else and nothing for myself. So that is a very great thing to remind and a piece of advice that a younger a person in a younger generation needs to hear because it's so important along with the comparing yourself to others mm -hmm. so the last question is my favorite question finish off every interview with this uh just leaving us in a really great state of gratitude so what are you grateful for oh um that's a really good question I like that um I'm grateful for my little oasis, my little apartment. It's my like happy place. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the time I'm grateful for my dogs. Um, they keep me like grounded. They remind me to just chill out and breathe once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm grateful just for like, like my life, like this is, I can make whatever I want out of this life. Um, and there are going to be good days and there are going to be bad days, but I think like there's, there's a whole, there's a whole road ahead of me and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what comes next. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. I love that we're going to leave it right there. It's kind of like a full circle back, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. So thank you so much, Janina, for joining me today. I really enjoyed hearing your story and learning more about you. You know, you've been through some really hard things and you've explained how your brain coped with things and gave us really tangible pieces of advice that we can apply into our own lives. And just to see how you keep going and keep showing up has just been so inspiring. Thank you so much, Jonina. That was absolutely amazing. The way that you were able to tell your story and dive through some of the really hard things that have happened into your life. Just a reminder that uh, you can watch this episode on YouTube. All you have to do is go onto your YouTube, search up my name, Selena Novello, and all of the podcast episodes will come up. So you can not only watch just this one, but also other ones. And it's very exciting to be able to see our faces and the way that we act. Um, so I highly recommend that you check that out. And as always, if you love this conversation, please share it with someone that you feel it might help. These stories can go a long way and can really help change someone's life when they know that they're not alone. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a great day and we'll see you later. Bye.